Welcome to the Uncommon CEO Podcast, where we unpack the mindset, skills, and wisdom it takes to become an uncommon leader in a common world with your host, the Uncommon CEO himself, Andrew Smart. Uncommon CEO Podcast. Once again, Andrew, how was your weekend? My weekend was fantastic. Uh, Really, I would say kind of a laid back weekend, but uh, stay pretty busy, uh, but didn't do, didn't have a a lot of huge activities didn't have to didn't have to be anywhere on that friday saturday night mm-hmm. um but i did friday night um have to watch after some boys that uh they were over at the house a sleepover action yeah a little something. sleepover action i gotta tell you a funny story matt because these are all seventh grade boys mm. and i got to thinking about what was i like in the seventh grade and so i i, I reflected on what was my interest what was I thinking about in seventh grade? So at one point, uh, it was late. It was probably about 7, 30, 8 o'clock. Maybe they'd already eaten. I go downstairs, and I'm thinking, you know how these guys, whether it's movies, maybe shooting pool, doing something. I, they're all in my gym. Really? Huh. I'm like, what are they doing working out in the gym? It's you know it almost eight o'clock at night. So I go in there, I see my son on the bike, another boy on the elliptical, and this other kid on on the bench taking dumbbells. And hmm. I, I think he was the ringleader of this. Uh, yeah, sounds like it. Yeah, and 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 so they're working out, and I'm like, "What are you guys doing?" So they're all quote working out. Mm-hmm. Go in there, talk with them for few minutes actually help one of the kids as he's lifting weights to make sure he's doing it properly and then kind of help them move on mm-hmm. to the poker table yeah get away from the you should mean lifting weights at your sleepover come on i mean that's kind of fun i mean well i mean I, I i told you i reflected on what was i doing in the seventh grade versus what they're doing mm-hmm. lifting weights learning to play poker they played some risks that night Cool. They watch some movies. So great boys. Um, I think I was thinking about girls in the seventh grade. I have my first girlfriend in seventh grade. I think I did too. I, was, uh, I had no idea what to do. I'll tell I, you that I, much. Right. Correct. Correct. But I, these guys, I mean, I kind of like kidded them. I said, hey, you know, any of you guys got some girlfriends, girls mm-hmm. you're interested in? And they didn't really follow me, you know, on that one. And, but give it time. Great group uh, of young young boys, and um, and it's cool to see them kind of evolve. I will say this: there's a little thing um, that kind of somewhat bothers me in, in in the generation that we're raising today. And here's what it is, Matt. Every day we operate in a competitive world. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we live in, in in a business world where competition is everything. I mean, it's it's a competitive world, and you got to be you got to be focused. You got to be out front, and every day you know that that if you're not in that mindset, then someone's going to take you out. Here's my problem: there, um, we push that competition. I think this is me, somewhat at a too early age nowadays. Mm-hmm. That we don't allow children to just be children. Sure. And you're talking from a highly competitive person. I mean, mm-hmm. you know I'm competitive. Oh, yeah. And yeah. and so when we look at our children 
at this young age and this early age development that you know that that many parents or you know, people of influence they're, they're looking at their children at this young age and they want them to be this great athlete or this great scholar or whatever they want to push them in mm -hmm. and i think that's to me a little disheartening because i i always want my children to have the experience of obviously you know the the value of hard work and commitment okay so when you when you're in something hard work and commitment but i want them to look back in their life and said and I had a great childhood in the sense that I enjoyed some of the just being a kid. Mm -hmm. Because think, Matt, I mean, when you look back in your life, you know, don't you just have some memories of just being a kid and thinking, God, that was great. I didn't have all this other stuff in life that just kind of pressured me. I just, I enjoyed these moments of just being a kid. Yeah. I got a friend growing up that his parents were grooming him to be a baseball player and he had all this fancy gadgets in their garage with the you'd hit the bat through these wheels and all this stuff and what i look back and remember was just being in the backyard and trying to hit a tennis ball as far as i possibly could and i played baseball that was fun was to fun. do but yeah it was mad fun and that's the part i remember more than the the competitive side of things and being like well if you're not if you're not first you're last which i think is it was you know mentality. i i have a friend growing up He's on the PGA. Um, you know him, Lucas Glover. Mm -hmm. I remember going over to his house uh, at a young age, and his grandfather, um, very successful guy, he he was he was doing kind of what Tiger Woods' dad was doing to him because mm -hmm. I mean, kind of somewhat the same age. Uh, very structured, very disciplined, really pushing him to be successful. And Cantley, he was successful. I mean, he was successful in high school. He went to Clemson and was a successful golfer and then became a PGA golfer and, and actually won a championship in the PGA. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but I also know this because I know Lucas um, from my youth. I think that if he was sitting here with us talking, he would talk about all the things he gained in the sense of being able to have these skills. But I think he'd also look at some of the things that, that, he wishes he could have back. Yeah. You miss a lot when you're focused so much on, you know, so far out the line and, you know, becoming a professional where it, it takes those, well, they say Lebr LeBron James had to take like a hundred thousand shots to get to where he's at. You know I mean? Yeah. It takes a lot to separate you from the pack. It's, it's one of the things, you know, I've, I have different people that I love to study. And for years, um, one of those guys was Kobe Bryant. Mm -hmm. So I love studying Kobe. Uh, grew up in a Michael Jordan age, obviously. Yeah, and 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 Kobe was kind of like almost a son to Michael Jordan, but Kobe had a dad, and what Kobe's dad brought to Kobe was balance. Mm -hmm. You know that I'm going to push you to be your best, but I want you a balance, and I want you to have that balance in life. And so I'm a big believer in that. I want to push my children, Drew and Claire, to be their best. I mean, I had. Drew here over the weekend. I'll show you a video later. I, mm -hmm. I I had him doing rope drills, had him carrying weights, had him doing all kind of you know tough stuff. But I also want them to have balance in life. Mm -hmm. That I that I don't want like sports just to be the only thing. Here's the deal: when they get a little older, when they get 
you know, into high school and kind of their bodies start to fine tune and they start to say, okay, hey, I can be really good at this. Then we can start really putting that emphasis there. Emphasis there. But right now in seventh grade, let them have kids. fun. Yeah, just just play around, explore the woods, do the things that kids like to do. Yeah, I mean, these kids, I mean, and I'll finish up and we'll move on from here. I mean, I mean, I hear kids today, I mean, these young kids, I mean, I hear kids, you know, that, you know, well, my parents had me on a restrictive diet plan, you know, protein shakes, you know, can only take in 70 to 80 carbs a day. I mean, it's crazy. Hmm. No, I let my daughter buy Lucky Charms yesterday. So <laughs> just have fun. Being what kid, kid doesn't like Lucky Charms? I know, right? I was more of a Fruity Pebbles kind of guy when I was a kid. She was reaching for the Fruity Pebbles, but she saw that unicorn on the package and it was game over. So. They know what they're doing. Yep. They know what they're doing, the marketing. And, you know, that's a great, you know, tipping off point into where I wanted to go today. Because when you have that kind of unicorn package mm-hmm. on a Lucky Charms, when when this very highly successful company like Kellogg or Post, because those are two highly brands, you know, mm-hmm. brands, and there's an interesting story about how they became B. Uh, when you have two companies like that that are marketing to children, they put that image on there. They're attacking a part of the brain. Okay, they're they're not attacking the conscious mind of your child's brain. They're yeah. attacking the subconscious mind of your mm-hmm. child's brain. And so when your daughter sees that, you know, she has a conscious reaction to it. And we're going to mm-hmm. talk about what that means. And then, but there's a subconscious feeling towards it. Oh, yeah. She associates unicorns with good times. And what child does it? Yeah. Okay. She never had them before. So, yeah, she didn't know she liked it. It wasn't a going back to it. Something she liked swayed. it, didn't she? Of course she did. That's where they add in a lot of the sugar mm-hmm. and all the other things. Where I got help from my wife or picking up Lucky Charms. There yeah. you go. There you go. There you go. Well, so the conscious side. Okay, let's let's talk about what is a conscious mind. So when we talk, we, we've talked a lot about mindset. We've talked, well, we spend a lot of time talking the mind. And the reason why we talk about the mind is because the mind dictates everything. Mm-hmm. Everything in life is dictated by the mind. It's what leads everything. And so when we talk about consciousness when we talk about this mindset of consciousness what are we saying you're saying whatever is present is one part of consciousness and what you can recognize as impactful whereas subconscious you might not know why you're being impacted with conscious you know why the action as a reaction takes place yes so consciously you know we we take in information that we can see, we can feel, we can t- we, they can run all the senses, right? Mm-hmm. So your daughter from this Lucky Charms, you know, experience, she saw something that that triggered her. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. It triggered her on a conscious level, but impacted her on a subconscious level because she's seeing, you know, this unicorn, but somewhere in the back of her mind unicorns mean something to her right yeah absolutely yeah so there's it's, it's, it's this triggering and leading effect so but consciously is all about what we can see what we can feel what we can touch what we can hear what we can smell it's a we it's, it's what we live in that kind of daily action of how our mind works mm-hmm. okay in the conscious mind 
interesting thing about the conscious mind, though, is, is we see it. I mean, you know, that you and I can sit here and we can have this conversation and we can consciously kind of walk through this conversation. But the truth is, if we go weeks, months, you know, definitely years down the road, our conscious mind is not going to remember a lot about this time together. Yeah. It is. It just does not that that mind does not facilitate a deep memory. So that deep memory is put into this other mind called the subconscious mind. And so I have spent a good many years with some really highly gifted, talented people on this subconscious work and why this subconscious mind really kind of dictates our whole life. Mm -hmm. And so we want to dive into how the subconscious mind operates. Every day, Matt, you know, you, you go through your week, you show up, you go, you, you've got this routine, you go to work, right? Mm -hmm. um, you talked about something we got to do this afternoon. Yeah. You know, and, and, and you've got other things on your list. Yeah. Right? Schedule. Very conscious part of your life. Yeah. So the truth is, is about 90 to 95% of what you're going to wake up to and what you're going to operate towards you're not going to really remember, okay? So 90 to 95% of that active lifestyle is not a rememberable deal. That's not what you remember. Uh, however, you know, it doesn't mean that you're not taking in points through that process. They're not being filed away into the memory of your brain. Mm -hmm. So imagine this, okay? It's like a computer, um, when, when you left work on a Friday, um, did you leave your computer here? Did you take it home? What did you do? Depends. This time I left it here. Okay. Um, was it hooked up? Was it running? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that computer, while you weren't using, while you weren't using it and while you weren't actively going and do, doing things on it, it was still running. Yeah. So there were activities happening in that computer that didn't require you actively in a conscious way making them happen. Sure. Emails still came in regardless. Yes. You know, Emails. Scanned for it. Might be scanning for something. Yeah. Could have been, you know, there's multiple tasks happening, you know, throughout that computer that don't require your action. Mm -hmm. Same thing goes, you know, with your brain. There are multiple things that are going on in your mind that don't require an action. Mm -hmm. You don't have to think about breathing or your heart beating or any of the things. Well, it's funny you're saying about that. Okay, mm -hmm. so that is, so when we talk about the subconscious mind, okay, you didn't wake up this morning and said, okay, I need to take a breath. Yeah, it just happens. And if you think about breathing, it becomes kind of difficult or it just it is. changes how it well, is. Well, we're going to yeah. get into that. So, I mean, you're right. You didn't go say, hey, I got to take a breath. Oh, by the way, hey. Make sure that heart's uh, beating. Mm -hmm. No, it's it's happening, okay. But it's being regulated by a part of your mind that that you're not constantly thinking on. And what you just said was right. So if you start to think on that, what happens? It becomes almost a labor at a certain point where you're you're you get in your own head about those sorts of activities and makes it tougher to breathe if you think hard about 
I need to breathe. Where's my next breath coming from, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's interesting, and in, in, since you're taking it down that road, which I was going to get there anyway, on breathing and regulation, I don't know if you've ever experienced a panic attack. Yeah, something close to it. Okay, so you know, for for people who have dealt with anxiety, panic attacks, the the interesting thing when you try to focus in on your panic attack, or when you try to like hone in, okay, on on, on that particular issue, what happens? Most of the time, it just makes it worse. It does make it worse. <sighs> it does make it worse because then you're trying to counterbalance. The conscious and subconscious mind, all of a sudden you're stirring up what has already been set into a regulatory mind mm-hmm. of how to deal with something. And so so the truth is there are techniques. They they teach people who deal with panic attacks. What, what do they teach them? They almost teach them, you know, how to slow down, mm-hmm. work on your breathing. Breathing ex- you know, exercises are critical to handling panic issues. Mm-hmm. I've actually done that in in meetings that we've had. How many times have I started a meeting and said, okay, we're going to stop right here. We're going to take a few moments and we're going to go through, you know, a breathing yeah, exercise. Yeah, conscious breathing. Conscious yeah. breathing. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting when you go through conscious breathing and you start really taking in these controlled breaths, the diaphragm breaths, pushing it and how to push them out, you know, that, how many breaths do you really need versus how many we take in? Oh, yeah. I mean, you, when we would do it, it would be three to four breaths a minute. But when you aren't thinking about it, you're like a little hummingbird out there. Yeah, we're freaking cooking them minute. off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yet when we slow down, allow the subconscious mind to kick in, our breathing regulates, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. we don't need that many breaths. But... In this deep work of subconscious versus conscious mind, what I've learned in in working with with, with these people, and one in particular, that that the subconscious mind and the conscious mind actually can't really tell the difference between each other. Mm-hmm. So what we deal with consciously, okay, what we see and what we go through, what your daughter saw on you know this Lucky Charms, okay. The distinguishing between the two minds can't, they don't really, they're one and the same. Mm-hmm. And while they operate differently, they are one and the same. And so we we often, you know, try to act like, you know, well, we consciously deal with this, but, you know, we don't think about the subconscious. Having done the work in the subconscious and going into this deeper deal, and so let me speak on that just a second. I... um. I wasn't a big believer in hypnosis. Sure. Um, it just didn't really, um, you know, as a, as a guy who considers myself, um, you know, pretty logical, strong-minded mm-hmm. person, I it was hard for me to buy into that you could put me into a hypnotic state and take me into a deeper level of my mind until I had it done. Mm-hmm. And... My first experience of going into this process of of this deep conscious, subconscious, hypnotic mind was an an incredible experience and one of what I would consider 
I don't want to use the word traumatic is not. It was actually the exact opposite. It was just very um, opening to what what I have in that side of my mind that I don't recognize daily Mm -hmm. what's in that mind. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff you probably subconsciously bury down there over time, good or bad. And we all do it. Mm -hmm. We all have inside our subconscious mind things within our life that dictate our whole life. That dictate our whole life. And so when I took my first, you know, dive into my subconscious mind, it was, I came out of that experience like, I mean, I was really emotional. Mm -hmm. I was really tired. I mean, it was, it was like, wow, because there's so much there in that part of our mind. And, and so, you know, recognizing that approach and beginning that work you know with people i work with i saw then okay this is impacting my life this is playing into so many of my decisions good and bad okay and so the subconscious mind actually is the mind that dictates most of our life and so we want to think that our conscious mind and our logic and reason mind does. No, it's a subconscious mind. It is It is what dictates, when we've talked about habits before, mm-hmm. our subconscious mind really dictates most of our good habits and bad habits. Think about it from a therapeutic standpoint. When you deal with people who um, have major abuse issues, in, in whether it's narcotics, I mean, you can go through the whole list, okay? What is the reason why they're doing that? When the, someone chooses to take an opioid, why do they do it? Because they just want to feel better or push away the bad. Okay, they want to feel better. And they want to push away the bad. Okay, but where are they feeling the pain? I mean, it depends. I mean, in their conscious bodies where they're feeling the pain, it could be physical pain, it could be emotional toil, all of that very conscious feelings. Okay. Glad you brought that up. You're right. This is this is a little bit of a psychosomatic deal, okay? Where we start feeling pain. Okay, but where is that underlying pain? It's coming from the you know, subconscious mind. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they they take, you know, whether whether it's alcohol, pills, you don't know, to subdue a deeper pain, you know, that is impacting this conscious deal. And so they're trying to subdue this deeperness, but it is the subconscious mind that is ultimately playing out here. That's why, you know, a lot of the top therapists, you know, are constantly working on the subconscious reasons for why they're taking these actions. Mm-hmm. What are the underlying effects, right? Yeah. Well, that doesn't just necessarily have to be in those arenas. We do this in other areas of our life. Subconsciously, we have these others. Why Why do subconsciously many of us wake up every day and the first thing we do is go to our email? Because you've got this compulsion. I mean, subconscious leads to habit and compulsion. So it may be that you're compelled to see what's there. It may be that you got to... You figure that's what's going to frame your day up a lot of times and you start there. Why? Why 
do we have so many people you go out to a restaurant and you see a family sitting there and all of them are on different devices drives me nuts but yeah okay but mm -hmm. how common is that today way more than it should be okay but mm -hmm. it's not a i don't think if you went up to any of those people and you consciously asked them a question said hey when you're out with your dinner you know with your family um are you engaged with your family what do you think they'd say it's a yes we're engaged they would say this mm -hmm. But subconsciously, what happens is, is they get into this rhythm that they go out there and then they take these actions that we all see. You know, everybody's on their phone, everybody's disconnected, everybody, and these are all in our subconscious mind. And their subconscious mind plays out in so many freaking areas of our life. Mm -hmm. And the biggest one, and the reason I bring that up is because the biggest one is relationships. And relationships dictate everything of our life. Yep. And so, I mean, I mean, you don't have a relationship with your phone. You don't have a relationship with a computer. You don't have relationships with objects that don't. I mean, it, it, it is our subconscious mind is is all into our relationship mind. Mm -hmm. And so, so this is why our subconscious mind is so critical to us being successful. And this is where the deep work, and here's the funny part. And we talk about being, you know, when we talk about uncommonness, okay, uncommon is all about, you know, people who approach things in a different way. Okay, well, approaching things in a different way means approaching things in a deeper way, too. Mm -hmm. And so uncommon, you know, approach and uncommon leadership is also how do I approach deeper? This area is an area that you know we have to improve on in leadership to be effective. Talked about kind of like, all right, this is where you know our our, our subconscious mind dictates this, and we've talked about how it can be non-effective. But what can we do in our subconscious mind to be effective? I mean, I think just learning in general can impact your subconscious mind. Uh, habits, good habits can impact your subconscious mind and working on your mind. Like you said, it's a muscle like everything else that you've got to stretch it and work it and it becomes stronger and more able to, you know, be aware and be present. So you're right. Our habits, which we've talked about many times, dictate a lot of our patterns. You know, what are our habits? What are our routines? What are the things we get up on? You know, then, um, and I'm going to do a deeper dive, uh, maybe in another podcast sometime that will talk about how, you know, truly successful people work on those habits. But habits are critical, and we've talked about habits. Okay. But there's also other elements that we can take you know, to help us work into our subconscious level to be more effective. Guarantee routines, routines are habits, right? Okay. You know, our routines are habits, are rewards. So we know if we got good routines, you know, if we, we have good we, results, we, we, we get good routines. I mean, good routines, you know, help us create a cycle of good results. But what are other things within our subconscious mind that we need to work on? Because if you think about, um, some people really put down the idea of positive thinking, don't they? Some people do. I, I'm a huge proponent of it. And, you know, a healthy mindset impacts everything else. And optimism is probably one of my number one traits that I focus on. You know the power of it. Mm -hmm. Okay, the power 
of that positive thinking. Okay. The, the interesting part of positive thinking is, is, is rooted into our mind of belief. Okay. That's where it's rooted. You know, I, I go back to, uh, when we talk about, there's a lot of positive gurus out there, aren't there? Oh yeah, for sure. You know, there's, there's many guys, you know, that do a lot of promotional positive thinking mindset and, 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 and amp you up pretty hard. But if you go back to what I consider the main guru, Jesus, he was a positive thinker, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, he, he, he taught a belief of, you know, what you can do if you believe you can do it. And it doesn't take that much belief. That's the funny thing about it is, is just a little bit of positive in, 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 in a, in a forward direction can create a lot of momentum, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's a, but that's a subconscious level of thinking. And we, and, and rooted into that positive deal. And guess what happens when you get a lot of positive or you get a little bit of positive momentum going around other positive, it starts creating yeah. a lot of positive, right? The snowball effect. Yeah, it? snowball. Yeah. Positive. And that's deep in the subconscious. There's an active side. But there's a subconscious mentality to positive thinking. Mm -hmm. And when you're down, it does the same thing. Really working on that, you got to think about tools, okay? Mm -hmm. Tools of life. Tools, I mean, that we bring every day. I mean, in that toolbox of life, if we want to be effective in our mind, we can't just bring one tool, right? That's why I got a workshop full. Well, you're a workshop kind of guy, man. (laughs) Yeah, true. And... You know, to be, you know, in that subconscious mind and that subconscious work, to be highly effective, I mean, we we can't do we can't do it all with a hammer, right? Sometimes you need a drill press or a sliding miter saw. Yeah, you need for the tools. Right and yeah. so and so we, we, we bring up the fact that positive thinking is 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 really important. But you know, let's talk about the subconscious. What are things that we can do daily? I'm talking about things I do. Mm-hmm. One of the things I do daily, um, you know, when I when I get up in the morning and and I work out, okay, I listen to something that's usually inspirational or positive. Why do you think I do that? Well, it sets you in the right mindset for the rest of the day. I want to feed my brain positive information. It, it, it it's important, okay? So it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like someone who you go into their office. You ever go into somebody's office and they got some positive quote? Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, they they, 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 they put it up there. And you, you know, I, I've had many people work for me that that fulfill their office with positive quotes. Have I have cat, one that... Uh, saying just hang in there. Yeah, just hang in there. Yeah. You know, it's a, um, you know, the, the, the positive quotes, when you see people who put positive quotes in their office, in their home, anything. Why do they do it? Uh, it's just a reminder. It's something if your mind goes off track to kind of just hone you back into the right mindset. And I think they recognize that they need it. Mm-hmm. I think subconsciously, whether they you know recognize this or not, they recognize they need it. So having this ability to to have around them. At any given point, some quote, some thought, something that says, you know, hey, this is positive. This is positive. What about positive affirmation? Yeah, people, I don't think they like to admit how important it is, but you've got to give it and it's nice to receive it. Um, anyone who says, 
that they don't want positive information is an effing liar. Yeah, I'd agree with that. People can be humble about it, but at the same time, you've got to hear it sometimes, too. The problem with affirmation, and this is subconscious, too, okay? This is, see, the problem with affirmation, and I don't want to get too far down this road, is that in our subconscious mind, we we can battle this this thing of affirmation because, because in our subconscious mind, while there, there, there are a lot of things that motivate us, there are a lot of pain in there too. There's a lot of pain. And, and our affirmation can be, can be dealt with in many ways within our mind. So I think it's important to always put that positive word inside of affirmation Mm -hmm. because I think we have known stories and we've known people who unfortunately seek a lot of negative affirmation. Sure. And, and I think that, um, I think that, Whenever you know you see that, you know that's feeding something deeper and wounded in them. In some of my deep work, where um, where a therapist has taken me into some of my jo- my childhood and some of my areas of trauma issues, things that I've gone through, um, was to constantly reinforce positive affirmation, positive things, not to reinforce the trauma and the negative things. So. You know, we know that this positive feedback loop is incredibly important. But another area to focus on in the subconscious mind is is to emphasize something I've talked about before, too, is the Pareto principle, mm-hmm. which for those who are familiar with the term Pareto, um, it's basically the 80-20 rule. Okay, and it's about how you emphasize your energies and your effort. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you know we we too often put our energy and efforts where? Well, I mean, there's things that don't make a difference is probably where we put a lot of our efforts, or we put a lot of our efforts into maybe the negative side of things, or avoiding the bad as opposed to honing the good. We'll put all this effort. We'll put eighty percent effort on something that only produces twenty percent results. Mm-hmm. And, and that is, see, that's a subconscious deal. Case in point, great leadership deal. All leaders have dealt with this. Myself, every leader who's been a mentor in my life, people in family, okay? Think about this. If you're a leader at any level, in family, business, at anywhere, how often do we find ourselves spending 80% of our time with 20% of the associations of our life, you know, meaning those people who love the suck energy of our life. I mean, a lot of times uh, the people that need the energy certainly seek it out more than those that don't. So it ends up taking up, you know, it becomes a time suck. Whether they need it or not, they're going to take it. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not, I, I take need out of it. They're going to take it. And so you spend, you spend 80% of your energy constantly dealing with those i mean in business it, we we spend so much energy in correcting those issues that are being caused by a very small group of people mm-hmm. it's 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 and that's anywhere you go I, I heard nick saban you know talk about you know that that he 
recognized how he was constantly, almost every day, spending all of his time with the players that he had that had problems or disciplinary issues. And mm-hmm. so what he consciously did, because he recognized this subconsciously, he what he was doing was that he he turned the tables on and said, okay, we're going to start actively spending more time around these players who are doing the right things. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and while we got to deal with these players, we're not going to spend all of our time with that. We're going to consciously make sure we're taking every bit amount of time with the players who are doing the right things because because these players are taking up a lot of our time. So that Pareto principle plays out in so many areas of our life. And so it's subconsciously and consciously is to be aware of that. Then taking it a step farther and I, in, in what we can do to help our subconscious mind improve. Okay. We, we talk about in life goals, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure you have goals for this year. I do. Yeah. I think we start out the year talking about that kind of stuff. So you have goals. Okay. And, you know, you did you write down your goals? I did. Um, I did at least my like ad hoc New Year's resolution side of things. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, do you think it would be good to go back and review your goals? I do regularly and chastise myself for not quite being where I wanted to be with them. But you know, they're still there. I know they're there, and you can always work towards them. Good many years ago, when I created the pillars for this company. Um, you know, our the company we work in that that I I studied what smart goals were. I mean, smart goals the term was created through a G principle, but mm-hmm. I studied what smart goals were. Okay, and and then I shared with y'all. Okay, I want to create these smart goals, and then move them to a stretch goals. But smart goals are important, and 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 when we look at that goal mindset of smart goals, okay. So we we talk about. I mean, so Matt, I mean. Do you have specific goals for this year? So I think it's specific, measurable, actionable, repeatable, achievable, achievable, relevant, relevant. And, you know, we talk about time sensitive, they're time bound. Mm -hmm. Yes. So everything I set out to do fell into that category. Because I find when you make these round resolutions, and I always like to use the term boil the ocean. If you're always trying to boil the ocean, you're never going to get a bubble to the top. These are actionable items that play into the subconscious mind. So when you have them and they're repeated, they play into your subconscious mind. Mm-hmm. That's why it's important to have those kind of things. And then and then bringing them back and staying positive in it. I can't reemphasize the amount of importance behind the positive mindset behind them, mm-hmm. that you can achieve those. Because when you set out to do those goals... When you set out to lay that out, is dealing with the positive. It's the pow- positive mindset of overcoming things. One of the things that I have focused in in my life of always moving forward and always growth is that growth is always about overcoming. Mm-hmm. And when you go into that subconscious mind of working through that overcoming mind, because in that part of your mind is where that deeper determination lies. So the subconscious mind truly does dictate our life. You know, the the conscious mind might allow us to kind of just work through the daily, you know, action of life, but it doesn't really dictate our life. Mm-hmm. The subconscious mind dictates our life and it dictates every aspect in every relationship. And so the more that we can be in tune into the subconscious mind, the more effective and the more joy 
will have in life. One thing we try to do on the show is the fourth and goal. What's the one big idea to help you punch it into the end zone at the end? I think going back, you know, to what I talked about, you know, writing down, you know, writing down your clear objectives and doing what I believe. Okay, so having a process that that you that you will take to look at you in your life and see where you're at in your life and having a daily process to go through that every day it becomes a repetitive action towards your subconscious mind and mm -hmm. one of those processes needs to be whether you know it's meditation for you or you know it's prayer you need to have that time to allow your mind to think through these kind of things and so i try to to work daily to have that time to allow my mind to process through this. Thanks for joining us today on the Uncommon CEO Podcast. Subscribe to our show wherever you get podcasts. We have video episodes on our YouTube channel and more Uncommon Wisdom on our social media. Find all our links and resources at UncommonCEOPodcast.com. For Andrew Smart and all of us here at the Uncommon CEO, stay uncommon.